welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the land of ghosts and monsters. I'm Paul Bresson. And I'm Jason Neerling. And today our topic is... Yurin. Wait, is that what I was going to say? Yeah. Yurin Yokai. All right, well, that's the end of the creepy voices. <laughs> Welcome to our Halloween special. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm so excited. Me too. I Halloween is my favorite time of year. I love Halloween. You got the nice fall weather, nice and cool, and just the creepy stuff. I love it. I love all of it. You are definitely always been into horror movies and creepy stuff. Yeah. This is right up your alley. It sure is. I'm pretty interested myself. And Japan also has a long history of creepy folk tales and scary stories. Yeah. And we have vampires and mummies and stuff, but... In Japan, there are literally thousands of different kinds of creepy monsters, and it's awesome. Yeah. Today, we're going to be focusing on yokai and yurei. So we should probably give a quick description of what they are. Yeah. Well, before we even get to the definitions, I just wanted to pull a disclaimer here. As with all things folklore, very few things are concrete. Like even with like vampires, like I said, you know, are they afraid of garlic? Or silver, allergic to garlic, afraid of silver. Yeah, like all that stuff, whatever. you know, has been built onto that mythology over time. And there's not really consensus on exactly what vampires are. I mean, you got those Twilight vampires these days. They're not like Nosferatu, you know? Yeah. Or Dracula. Yeah. Different sort of things. So basically, all I'm saying is there are different ideas about what exactly these things are and their characteristics and stuff. So we're going to try to get as specific as we can. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about what we heard and what we've seen and have some fun. Yes. So uh, what, are, what are yokai, Paul? Yokai are supernatural monsters, spirits, and demons in Japanese folklore. Yeah, yokai is an enormous category. Like I said, thousands and thousands of different types of yokai. So let, let's talk about the word yokai, first of all, I guess. Yes, we should. So yokai is made up of two kanji. And if you don't know what kanji are, listen to our last episode about the Japanese language. <laughs> but you got two parts, yo and kai. The yo part means bewitching or attractive. And the kai is a specter or an apparition or mystery. So you got, like, there's something mysterious and kind of creepy about this, but I'm also kind of drawn to it, you know? Something yeah. exciting there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yokai usually have supernatural or spiritual abilities, mm -hmm. such as shape-shifting, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, depending on the type of yokai, they, they could have all sorts of crazy powers and look all sorts of weird ways. And one interesting thing is that many of them have animal features. Yeah. But not all of them. Yep. They're so varied. Some of them appear as inanimate objects, or some of them even look like humans, or some of them even have no discernible shape whatsoever. Yeah. They can be evil. They can be good. They can be just kind of mischievous. No, wait. Mischievous is the word. Mischievous <laughs> is not a word. 
Interesting. They I didn't be... know that. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> I was going to cut that part out. Just make it sound like here I, I am with mischievous in my notes, or maybe <laughs> I'm just not pronouncing it right. So, if you've heard of things like Oni, or Tengu, or even Mononoke, like Princess Mononoke, the movie, a Mononoke is a type of yokai. It is. So yeah, those are all. Those are a few of the kind of more popular ones that people may have heard of. So, what are yurei? So, yurei, in the most basic sense, a yurei is a ghost. Yeah, to put it simply, a ghost. Yeah, they're not exactly like the Western idea of ghosts, but... They're basically spirits kept from a peaceful afterlife. Yeah, and a lot of people consider yurei a subcategory of yokai. So there's, there's kind of some overlap there yeah. or like it's not totally clear because, you know, wh- what is a monster? It's how do you all, define a monster? Yeah, it's is all a ghost just legends monster? and stuff. You can classify it how you will. Yeah. Did you see what the kanji mean for yurei? I did, but why don't you go for it? <laughs> there's two kanji for yurei. The first meaning faint or dim and the second meaning soul or spirit. Yeah. So a faint spirit? That, yeah. that exactly describes what it you is. You can see you know? where they're coming from with that name. Yeah. So yeah, you said they're restless spirits kept from peaceful afterlife, right? Yep. That's pretty much what they are. And we'll yeah. get it. This episode is all about them. We're going to get much deeper. But there's your general definitions. But yeah, before we get deeper into them, let's talk about the history for a little context. Yes. Let's go in our way back machine. <laughs> What's the most way back thing you've got, Jason? Where'd you get the way back machine? Uh, I don't know. Oh, I just thought a thing or something. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that you pulled that up because uh, Josh and Chuck, you know, from Stuff You Should Know, that podcast. Yeah. They talk about the way back machine all the time when they're going back to history. Okay. They even have sound effects. Yeah, it's a thing. Okay. (laughs) Okay, yeah. We got our own way back machine, I guess. Paul... Uh, procured one somehow. We're going to jump in there and pop back way to the early tribes of Japan. I mean, this stuff goes way, way back because civilizations all over the planet have had folk tales, ideas of these spirits, and this sprung up from people trying to explain the un- unexplainable. You know, something happens, they don't understand why or how that happened. It's easy to just come up with an entity like, oh, the, there's this spirit or something that was responsible for that yeah one definition even of yokai that i came across was an unexplainable phenomena mm-hmm. just as a yokai yeah and then all the stories get spun on top of it right the very original ideas of these types of things i mean you could almost go back to the beginning of human history yeah, they go back to the old animistic beliefs that spirit-like entities reside in all things and they possess emotions and personalities. Right. So yeah, these types of ideas formed the basis of Shinto. Eventually, they were also modified by Buddhism. Like It all kind of built from those folktales into what they are today. Yeah, and there is abundant ancient literature and folklores mentioning and explaining yokai in Japan. Yeah. It's been a hot topic for a long time. Yeah. Can we uh, skip to the Edo period? Did you have something before that? That's where I'm headed next. Awesome. You want to share a ride then in the Wayback Machine so I don't have to get my own? 
Yeah, we're going forward now. All right, cool. That's exactly where I was headed. <laughs> so what happened in the Edo period relating to yokai and yurei? So in the Edo period, this is a period of peace in Japan. Culture and arts flourished with the rule of the Tokugawa shogunate. And with that came a surge of interest in stories about ghosts and monsters, mm-hmm. which is interesting because that's around the same time that there was a lot of interest in that sort of thing in the Western world, right? That's when people were holding seances and there are all these people claiming that they could talk to ghosts and that kind of thing. I mean, there were people going on witch hunts. Yeah, that too. You know, in the Edo period in the Western world. Yeah. Um, I also thought it was interesting, the printing industry developed during the Edo period. And they really helped proliferate depictions of yokai and yurei. Mm. And they also helped standardize yokai descriptions throughout Japan. Cool. Because you could print a painting of this is what this yokai looks like. And then you could print a book describing these are all the yokai. So instead of each village and region having all their own yokai, they kind of became nationalized a little bit through the spread of literature and art. Yeah, yeah. So they kind of exploded throughout this period. Uh, A lot of these yokai were taken from the old stories, or people would make up ones inspired by the old stories, or people might just make up completely new ones. So, like I said, thousands and thousands of them, this is a big part of where all those came from. A good ghost story can be old or new. Yeah. Also, I thought it was interesting during the Edo period, games and playing cards started to feature yokai as characters. Nice. Yeah, you definitely see that today. We'll get to that. Yep. So one of the most famous people that was involved in putting together all these stories was a guy, Toriyama Sekien. He was an artist and a poet, and he was actually from a family of high-ranking servants of the Tokugawa shogunate. Did you see that? No. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. His family's working for the shogunate, and he's like, you know what? I want to write ghost stories. <laughs> Pretty cool. So he wrote something called Gazuhyaki Yagyo, the Illustrated Night Parade of a Hundred Demons. It was kind of a catalog of these different types of yokai. Interesting. Yeah. I saw, I think, an anime with a similar name. Hmm. Something about Night Parade of a Hundred Demons. Cool. There's a lot of Japanese media. And a lot of yokai and a lot of those. Yeah. So what happened during the Meiji Restoration? That is when Western folktales came to Japan, and mm-hmm. you begin to see them influence some of the ideas of uh, yurei and yokai. Yeah. At the same time, though, Japan was quickly modernizing and influenced in a lot of ways by the Western world. So the popularity of yokai seems to have dipped a bit in that period because they were kind of embarrassed by these old superstitions. They didn't want to look silly to yeah. the rest Science of the world. Science and I guess. technology were like the new thing back then everyone was trying to get on board with. And right. They were shunning their uh unscientific past a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But the mixing of the Eastern and Western ideas about these ghosts and stuff might explain some of the similarities that we're gonna talk about. Yeah. And for reference, Meiji period is Late 1800s, early 1900s. Yeah. Yeah. If you've been listening to our previous episodes, you probably heard a bit about that. (laughs) But yeah. So let's move on to the period right after World War II. Around then, a manga artist, Shigeru Mizuki, kind of reintroduced yokai to the masses and brought them back into popularity with a comic series he made called Gegege no Hitaro. 
So today, yokai are maybe more popular than they've ever been. Same with yurei. Yeah. They're so many, all over the place. Since the post-World War II era, era, they've been popularized in manga, television, anime, books, magazines, video games. They're all over modern-day media in Japan. Yeah, for sure. Actually, there's something called Yokai Watch that's like huge, a huge franchise in Japan. They got an anime, they got video games, all this stuff. And I guess the idea of this is there's a kid with a watch that gives him like the special power to see yokai. So he's running around meeting all these crazy monsters. So yeah, they're all over the place in Japan, but you'll even see references to yokai in modern American culture. Like if you've ever seen The Ring or The Grudge, two of the biggest horror movies of the last 30 years or so, those are both remakes of Japanese movies about yokai. Also, in Pokemon, a lot of those are based on yokai as well. And it seemed yeah. like, from what I do know about the video game Yokai Watch, it seems pretty similar to Pokemon. You're running around catching yokai, and they're kind of joining your team to fight for you, it seemed like. Yeah. So if you are playing a Pokemon game, and you go into the Pokedex and start reading descriptions of all these Pokemon, some of them are really creepy and weird. Yeah. And it's because a lot of these Pokemon are based off of crazy yokai stories. Yeah, it's kind of funny how it's almost hidden back there. Like, to the Western world, they just see these cute little Pokemon running around. Oh, it's just this innocent little game. But if you dig deep enough, it gets kind of creepy and dark. Yeah. And, like, in Japan, that would be kind of an obvious part of it because of the history of yokai in Japan. Yeah, there's, like, some Pokemon that are based on yokai that originally were humans. So it like kind of weirds me out that you're like capturing them in a Pokeball and keeping them as a slave to fight for you. It gets so dark. <laughs> yeah, if you just Google yeah. like the dark side of Pokemon, you'll find all sorts of stuff. Sorry, I don't want to ruin Pokemon for anyone, <laughs> but this is the Halloween episode and we're talking about creepy stuff. Why would it ruin it? In my opinion, that <laughs> makes Pokemon so much cooler. Well, not everyone's quite like you, Jason. I guess that's true. <laughs> I think it's cool too. So I also want to mention that yokai are still being invented today. Yeah. Based upon urban legends and scary school stories. Just like in the West, new ghost stories are popping up all the time. Right, exactly. It never stops. And the yeah. good ones stick. Yeah, the yokai tradition is not going away anytime soon. It keeps getting renewed with all these new ideas. So yokai today actually play a part in tourism in Japan. Mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. That's what I would want to see. Right, right. I don't so know. S- some cool stuff to see. Yeah. So just to briefly mention a few things, there's a Tokushima Yokai Festival every year that's held in November in Tokushima. It's kind of like a remote location, and locals dress up in handmade yokai costumes. Cool. And it's held at like some old school in the mountains. It's like the perfect location to have that type of festival. Nice. So if you want a taste of like real life rural Japan, that would be a really cool thing to go see, I think. Yeah, man. A really rural, rundown, haunted house in like an old abandoned building or something. That just sounds so awesomely creepy. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Um, Also, you mentioned earlier the uh, manga author and historian Shigeru Mizuki. Mm -hmm. So in his hometown, 
of Saki Minato Totori Prefecture. They've got a street named after him that is lined with over 150 bronze statues of various yokai. How many? Over 150. Oh, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And the whole like city in that area is all decked out. The street lights look like eyeballs, and the train station is painted with a bunch of yokai. That's so cool. Even some of the local trains are painted to look like monsters. Dude, I love that, how there are different parts of Japan where you'll find this little town that's like really embraced its history or like something that it's known for, you know? Yeah, and they just go for it. Yeah, like we went to Kojima, known as like the denim capital of Japan, and they have a lot of denim factories there. They sell a lot of jeans, and throughout the town, everything's denim. It's a really cool place, and I'm kind of surprised that it took you 16 episodes to mention Japanese <laughs> denim. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, yeah. But the train station just has pictures of jeans all over the place. There are jeans hanging on the wall. There's that giant pair of jeans. Yeah. I have a picture of you with that, and it's like twice as tall as you are. Yeah. There was the taxi cab that was all covered in denim. Yeah. Yeah. We shouldn't have... ruin everything before we get to the denim. Episode. One more thing. The vending machines were all denim too like they had just pictures of denim all over it was so cool yeah so getting back to creepy stuff oh is that what we were talking about <laughs> okay in in this town with the yokai road in sakaminato it's also known for like it's incredible sand dunes and a sand museum huh. that has like sculpture like huge sand sculptures of so the yokai of various things. Okay. I think the theme changes every year. Yeah, okay. So there's, it's like a, already a cool place to go. And then you can get all this like yokai stuff too. So it sounds like a really cool day or half day trip or something. Definitely. Also, I saw there's yokai tours around Japan. Of course. So if you're in like Kyoto or something, there's places that offer a yokai tour and they kind of take you around the city and show you all the places that are associated with certain yokai or yurei. That sounds like a lot of fun. It does. It does. So that's all I got for tourism for now. Okay. Let's dive deep. What are yokai? Well, I'll tell, tell you. me all about them. Okay. Just, uh, you, you don't talk. I'll just go for half an hour <laughs> and just tell you exactly what they are. So yokai were used to explain the unexplainable in everyday life. And that word actually doesn't necessarily, in most contexts these days, it's used to talk about these monsters, but technically the word can be used to describe any phenomenon perceived as supernatural. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of civilizations throughout history, they would use this kind of idea to fill in the gaps between their understanding of the world. Yeah. So throughout time as science started to explain those things, the realm of yokai kind of shrank. That yeah. makes sense. And you've also seen a trend over the years of yokai being depicted as super scary monsters to being depicted as more like cutesy and fun sometimes now, yeah. such as like Pokemon mm -hmm. and things like that. People aren't as scared of them maybe as they once were. 
Yeah, yeah, there's kind of an element of uh, fun to them these days that might not have always been attached to that. But the spooky's still there. They can be spooky and scary, but they can also be, like, cute and fun. Yeah, I mean, kind of like Halloween is perceived in the West. Yeah, you know, there's exactly. scary stuff, but it's a fun type of scary. You can dress scary or you can not dress scary for Halloween and still have a good time. Yeah, so let's make some vast generalizations about yokai because, <laughs> like we said, there's so many, but... You know, most of them have at least some sort of supernatural power. They have some effect on the world of the living. Mm -hmm. So bountiful harvests could be thanks to peaceful yokai. Like we said, they can be good or bad. The peaceful yokai are called nigimitama. Right. And they can sometimes be even your ancestors. Okay. Yeah, there are ways that people can turn into yokai in certain circumstances. So you got the good ones, but then they're also bad yokai sometimes that might cause illness or natural disasters, those are known as aramitama. Yes, they are violent and bring ill fortune. Yeah. But there's actually a ritual. Did you see this? There's a way that you can turn the violent yokai into a nice peaceful yokai. Yeah, there's got to be a solution. Yeah. There's something called chinkon, the calming of the spirits to, uh, you know, turn a bad one into a good one. Pretty convenient. Yeah. There is a very wide variety of yokai, and there's a complicated classification system that got like way too deep for me. <laughs> but basically, it's based upon their true form, whether that be like human or animal or plant or inanimate object. Um, it's also based upon the world they're related to, you know, the spiritual world or this world, or even like the building world. <laughs> okay. Um, and there's also based on external appearance. So based on those categories, there's this complicated <sighs> classification system for, yeah. for yokai. Cool. Yeah, I, I mean, yokai can come from a lot of different places. The origins of all these individual yokai are as varied as the types of yokai there are. Yeah, they come from unexplained things, mm -hmm. and that can be so many things. Yeah. I even read that kami, the gods yeah. in Japan, can become yokai, or vice versa. And there was even a, a theory that I read about that ancient gods are eventually demoted to yokai. They're kind of the old gods that people forget about. You know, they're not as present in people's daily lives these days. Not but getting... the stories are still around, so they become in the same category as the rest of the yokai. Yeah. You're not worshipped enough anymore, so you <laughs> become a yokai. Yeah. It's different looking at it from like a Western perspective, where if you're raised in a monotheistic religion, you've got such a hierarchy. Mm -hmm. But in Japan, they're all just kind of spirits and it can interchange and move around much more seemingly so to me at least. Yeah, totally. There's so much overlap in all these different categories because they're all just yeah. spirits hanging around all over the place and they're kind of yeah. different statuses and stuff. Yeah, spirit can be different things at different times maybe. Yeah. So I even read that there was an emperor, Sutoku, who died and was reborn as the evil king of the Tengu. Oh. Well, that was pretty cool. Oh. <laughs> well, was he a bad guy in life? And they're like, he must be an evil demon now that he's dead. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a lot of details about that. I don't know where that came from. But just it's, to illustrate that people can become yokai. Yes. You know, yes. other gods can become yokai. Just tons of stuff. 
can become yokai. You did put that disclaimer at the start. This is all just old legends. Things overlap and move around. Right. That's okay. Yeah. You know, I found this really interesting. Yokai can be inanimate objects that have come to life. That is interesting. It's not what I would think of as yokai at first thought. Yeah. Reminds me of Beauty and the Beast. You got the teapot. And the the candlestick. Yeah, Lumiere. (laughs) They're all yokai. The interesting part about this is the history. Like, why why would an inanimate object become a yokai? Well, if you listen to our Temples and Shrines episode, we talked a bit about Shinto and how objects can house the spirits of the gods mm-hmm. and how in animism, everything has a spiritual essence to it. So the idea with these inanimate objects is, it seems to have come from the idea of not wanting to be wasteful. Back in the day people would have some old kitchen utensils that broke or something and they want to just throw them away. But if you throw it away, it it might become a yokai that comes back to haunt you. Like, why didn't you use me and, you know, continue letting me serve you and stuff? Kind of a cool idea, almost like a warning to just make sure you're getting full usefulness out of an object. Interesting. You know, one of my favorite baseball players, Ichiro, was famous for taking super good care of his equipment. Like Mm. his bats and his gloves. He had a little case that was humidity controlled that he kept his bats in that he'd carry around with him. Wow. Like keep the bats at their perfect uh, whatever, you know. Mm. And he said that was from his dad teaching him Buddhist beliefs early in life. Cool. Like taking care of things because they matter. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. I didn't expect to hear about baseball in this episode, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that household objects thing, that actually kind of connects to Pokemon a little bit too. In the later generations of Pokemon, you know, they keep introducing all these crazy new Pokemon. Yeah. And I remember hearing people criticizing them like, oh, now you got this Pokemon that's just a chandelier. It's just an object. What You're running out of ideas? That's stupid. But think about the history of Yokai. That makes a lot of sense that these Pokemon would be inanimate objects. It's not lazy. They're yokai. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. It's just based off of something that already exists. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about yokai and how there's such a wide variety. Just to give you some ideas, I wanted to share a couple of my favorite yokai that I stumbled across. Yeah. Let's hear To give an idea of what they're like. My first one that I liked is called Moku Mokuren. I haven't heard of that one. What does that do? They are disembodied eyeballs. I like it. So in Japanese houses, there are paper doors called shoji. Mm -hmm. And if you get a hole in one of these paper doors, the moku moku ren is going to float up and peer at you through the hole. (laughs) Awesome. That's so creepy. (laughs) But I almost feel like that legend was like started by someone that was tired of getting their doors destroyed. <laughs> so they started like telling it, if you break the door again, the yokai is going to come and scare you. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you'll see yokai that like very obviously were made up by parents that wanted to keep their children in line, you know? <laughs> yeah. I actually heard about these days, there's a new app that you can get on your phone where you can, like if your kid is misbehaving, you can call up an Oni. And be like, oh, hey, son, 
this Oni wants to talk to you. You hear that you've been misbehaving lately and you'll, you know, you give the phone to your kid and the Oni will talk to him and scare the crap out of him and <laughs> keep him in line. <laughs> wow, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's like the American equivalent of having like a police officer come to your home and like <laughs> scare your kids straight. I guess so. Another yokai I thought was really cool is the Gasha Dokuro. It's a giant skeleton that roams the countryside late at night, and it supposedly makes a bone clanking sound. Mm. Gachi, gachi, gachi. <laughs> it doesn't seek people out, but if you happen to cross its path, it will crush you with its massive hand and bite your head off. Stuff never gets old, man. I could listen <laughs> to these stories forever. And these things are formed when hundreds of unburied dead with grudges against the living fuse together. Wow. So generally after like a large battle or a bad famine or something like that. That's dark, man. And yokai today are kind of known for the gachi gachi noise. And it oh. all came from this particular bone clattering yokai very cool so what are your favorite yokai jason so there's one called tenjo nami do you know what a tenjo is no tenjo is a ceiling okay this is a yokai that hangs out up there on your ceiling and licks your ceiling why does it lick your ceiling it's the ceiling licker it's just what it does okay so like we said a lot of these yokai were created to explain the unexplainable these are supposed to explain those stains on your ceiling. Like, how did that get there? Nobody, nothing ever happens up on the ceiling. Okay. Oh, it must have been that, that ceiling liquor. <laughs> That's creepy. Yeah. Uh, there's one called Rokurokubi. This one, it looks normal during the day. And a lot of these yokai are humanoid. Like, they look more or less human. But at night, its neck stretches and its head can just float around on this super long like stringy neck you're creepy huh long necks on humans are always creepy <laughs> yeah i guess so <laughs> and this might be part of a subset of yokai known as bakemono yeah obake or bakemono are shapeshifters and there are a lot of different yokai that fit under that category if you want to talk about western movies a little bit actually if you, you remember i know you're into horror movies yeah yeah well pan's labyrinth it wouldn't technically be a horror movie, I think, but there are definitely horror elements. No. It was definitely a big movie, though. Yeah, it was, it was popular. Yeah. But there's a character in there known as Pale Man, I guess, who didn't have eyes in his head, but then he opened his hands and he's got eyes on both of his palms. Really creepy looking dude. That is a yokai. Yeah, that dude's super creepy. Yeah. I didn't even see the movie, but I still remember him because he was in the previews and it was so creepy that like... 10 years later or whenever that movie came out, I still remember that guy. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know it came from a yokai, though. That's awesome. Yeah. His name is Tenome. Te is hands, and me is eyes. Like, eye hands. <laughs> eye hands. <laughs> Makes sense. Yep. So, we might do episodes in the future on, on some of the more popular yokai, like Oni and Tengu and whatnot, but that's just a brief overview of the world of yokai. Yeah. So, 
Let's talk a little bit more in depth about Yurei, yeah. Japanese ghosts. Yeah, so this might be a little more familiar to uh, people from the Western world because they're a lot like what we think of as ghosts. Yeah, nothing I learned in this shocked me or surprised me too much. Yeah, so the belief is that everybody has a soul called a Reikon, and when a person dies, they go to a sort of purgatory to await the proper funeral rites so that they can go to the afterlife and join their ancestors. And if everything goes well and those rites are performed properly, they can go hang out and protect their family from the afterworld. And each year there's a celebration called Obon, which is where the ancestors come back and visit the family and you leave out some food for them and everything's cool. They grab their food, they get thanked by the family. That's a happy afterlife. But not everybody gets a happy afterlife, do they? No, it doesn't always go that smoothly. If someone dies violently or suddenly. Or if those rites aren't properly performed after they die. Yep. Or if when they're dying, they're influenced by really powerful emotions such as love or jealousy or desire for revenge. Their raycone, their soul can be transformed into a U-ray. Yeah, and then they can come back to this physical world and wreak havoc. And one thing I thought was interesting is generally in legend, the lower social rank and the more harshly someone was treated in life, the more powerful of a U-ray they come back to be. Yeah, that's it pretty cool. It levels the playing field a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, it almost feels like a warning. You know, even though these people are lower class than you or whatever, don't treat them too poorly or they're going to come back and get their revenge. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's interesting that most U-ray throughout Japanese folktales were women, which kind of makes sense with that because women were... They had less power. Yeah. I mean, women, it was a patriarchy. Yeah. Women were lower than men, kind of on the social totem pole. And women were considered more emotional, too. So those urea that are mm. formed from really strong emotions. I hadn't noticed that, but now that you think it, now or now that you've said it, all the paintings I've seen of urea are women. Yeah. Yeah. Almost all of them. But I didn't see anywhere specifically that said men can't be urea. Yeah. They can, but women are more common. Interesting. Yeah. Women get the revenge one way or another. Yeah. So this idea of unfinished business is pretty similar to Western ghosts, right? Yeah. And each type of yurei has a different name. Like there are different categories here as well. So you got onryo, which are vengeful ghosts. Something bad happened to them in life and they want to get their revenge. Mm -hmm. You got ubume, are mother ghosts who died in childbirth. Or died leaving very young children. Okay. And they're known to come back and bring sweets to their children. Cool for the children, I guess. Pretty creepy for everybody else. Yep. <laughs> and then you got ghost children, which are known as zashiki warashi. And they're not supposed to be dangerous as much as they are just mischievous. They're running around causing trouble, kind of. Yeah, they'll play tricks on you. Yeah. But they're actually good luck. If you see one of them, it's supposed to be a good sign for you. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. There's Funa Yure, which are ghosts of those who died at sea. Hmm. Which makes sense in Japan, being an island country, yep. a lot of fishermen. 
That does make sense. They're sometimes described as scaly and fish-like. Cool. There's also Goryo, which are vengeful spirits from the aristocratic class. They get their own type of ghosts. Fancy ghosts. But they're especially associated with martyrs. So people that died for a cause. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. There are other types too, I think, but those are the main ones that I found at least. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to list a few of them off. So what do you, Ray, look like? Do they look just like Slimer from the Ghostbusters movies? A little green guy floating around? <laughs> no, not at all, actually. Okay, okay. Um, they are generally wearing white clothing. Yeah, which signifies the white burial kimono that people were buried in in the Edo period. Yeah, in Shinto, white is a color of ritual purity, mm-hmm. and it's reserved for priests and the dead. Yep. These yurei might also have long black hair, kind of messy or disheveled. So traditionally, women grew their hair really long, but wore it up most of the time, mm-hmm. but they would let it down for the funeral or the burial. So yeah. that kind of makes so it would, creepy too. You would associate that with death. You wouldn't see the long hair hanging down if someone was alive and put together. Right. This yes. part reminds me of the ring. You got that creepy little girl with the black hair hanging in front of her face. You see that a lot. Yeah. They got the black hair in front of their face, yeah. so you can't see it. it makes them extra creepy. And they sometimes wear a hitai kakushi, which is uh, translated as a forehead cover. It's like a white triangle that hangs on their forehead that's wrapped around their head. Yeah. It seemed like the history to that was kind of murky. Nobody's really sure exactly what that's about. I've seen that more in modern day depictions, honestly. Hmm. Yeah, so I don't know where it came from, but it's something if you see, that character might be a ghost. Okay. Or, also, the hands and feet of Yurei are a little bit different. Yeah. So the hands are supposed to dangle lifelessly from the wrists. I love that. They just yeah. dangle lifelessly. Yeah. And I thought that was really funny because what else does that? What else has the hands hanging down, but they hold their arms out in front of them? Uh, I don't know. It reminded me of mummies. Oh, Whenever you see a mummy walking yeah. around... They're walking really stiffly. They got their arms stretched out, but their hands are kind of just hanging down from the ends of their Definitely arms. like nothing living. Like that doesn't seem like a living thing. Yeah. Also, their hands aren't like held straight out. Like their elbows are close into their body. And then their like forearms are held out with their, <laughs> with their hands dangling. Sure. So it's not quite the full on mummy walk of like your hands straight out. Yeah. But a similar type thing. Yeah. Cross-cultural, which is interesting. Yeah. I guess you kind of go limp when you die. Yeah. So as for the feet, generally you're not going to see any feet because their their lower halves just kind of fade away and they're just floating around, right? Yep. Which uh, leads to the hitodama, which is like a floating flames that are sometimes described to surround Yurei. Um, also could be known as ghost lights, which is kind of a thing in the West too. Yeah. Or will-o'-the-wisp. Yeah. You might have heard of that term in European folklore. Same sort of thing. Basically, people see lights around ghosts when they see them. Yeah. Or you might might not even see the ghost. You just see the ball of light moving around. Like, oh, that must be a Yurei. Also, I thought it was creepy. Sometimes their veins are black. 
Like they got this really pale skin, but you can see black veins through them. I feel like you've seen that in some recent horror movies too, maybe. Huh. I didn't know that. That's cool though. That does, that's definitely a creepy look like pale skin with like black veins underneath. Yeah. Definitely creepy look. Definitely not like a living type of look. Yeah. Man, I love the artistic depictions of Yurei. Even hundreds of years ago, if you go on Google and search for like old Yurei art, yeah. They are they were so good at drawing like these creepy they're sometimes like beautiful but creepy at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, like, like subtle and faded. It just looks really cool. Yeah, but sometimes they get even really grotesque. Like you see ones where half of their face is kind of <laughs> yeah. decaying and stuff. <laughs> so what do you ray do? Once they become Yure. Well, what would you do if you were a ghost? I would haunt people. Yeah, mess with the living. <laughs> what else is there to do? So Yure tend to be bound to a specific location and generally have a specific purpose for their haunting as well. Right. And they usually, there's actually a time of the night when they will usually do their haunting, which is between 2 and 2.30 a.m., which is supposed to be when the veils between the world of the dead and the world of the living are the thinnest. Yeah, it's probably like the darkest outside too. That's yeah. definitely like the creepiest time of night. That's when I would choose if I was a ghost. <laughs> so we talked about how there are uh, yokai that can be good or evil and, you know, some are kind of fun, some are scarier. I feel like Yurei are mostly scary. They're not really as cute. Like they're known for being dangerous. Yeah, they're not cute. They're not all necessarily evil, but... They're not like bringing good fortune to anybody. Except for those little kid ones, I guess. But yeah, so you said they're tied to specific locations or sometimes specific people. Like if uh, there's a ghost that wants to avenge his death, it's going to walk around after the person that killed it. Yeah. And even though they're going for a specific person a lot of the time, these guys are dangerous. You don't want to get in their way even if you have nothing to do with why they died because they could kill anything in their path. Yeah, you don't even be near the guy they're haunting. Mm -hmm. So part of what makes Yurei so dangerous, they have all these supernatural powers. You know, they can crawl on ceilings. They can move super quickly. You'll see in in horror movies, sometimes a ghost will just flash right in front of your face all of a sudden, or they could vanish at a moment's notice. They can even create illusions, like they can mess with people's perception of the world. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Some famous places known for being haunted include the Well of Himeji Castle. Yeah, that's a cool story. Also, Aokigahara, yep. the lava forest at the base of Mount Fuji is known to be the home of Yurei. Yeah, it's also known as the Suicide Forest. Yeah, a lot of creepy ideas attached to that place. Yep. So... If you've got a Yure haunting you and tormenting your life, what can you do? Well, listen carefully, because this is probably the most important part of the episode. Mm-hmm. You need to know how to get rid of these guys. So if the Yure is angry because those funeral rites weren't properly done, do those ASAP. And those might be enough to appease the Yure. Mm-hmm. Perform the missing rituals, you might appease the Yurei and the soul can finally move on mm-hmm. peacefully. Yeah, back to the idea of like unfinished business. I mean, it seems obvious. You just 
figure out what their business is, and you finish it, you know? If they were murdered, you go avenge their death. Mm -hmm. If they are walking around or floating around because they were in love with somebody and they didn't get to resolve that, just go uh, let them consummate their relationship with their intended partner. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. Consummate it. I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know either. But as long as you find a way for them to resolve their emotional conflict that's still tying them to this world, they can finally move on peacefully. Right. And in the past, sometimes Buddhist priests were even hired to perform rituals to appease the spirits, almost like an exorcism. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Or I also read that sometimes the Urey would be deified to placate them. Like, okay, okay, okay. We've had enough. We give up. We're going to turn you into a kami now. And then <laughs> will, will that make you happy and you can leave us alone? Wow, okay. So that guy that complains enough finally just gets to become a god. Yeah. The squeaky <laughs> ghost gets the grease. That's the saying, right? I guess. That's, you just made that up. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Yurei and Yokai. Let's talk a little bit about what Halloween is like in Japan these days. And I want to point out, actually, that originally in Japan, you know, Halloween isn't native to Japan, but originally summer was the time for scary stories in Japan. And I read that part of the idea there is that it gets really hot in Japan in the summer. But if you're hearing these creepy ghost stories, they give you chills and it helps cool you down. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting explanation. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you happen to be in Japan for Halloween, it's not something that was widely celebrated very long ago, but it's starting to become a thing. Mm-hmm. So I saw that there are Halloween parades in Kawasaki, Ikebukuro, and Odaiba. So those are three places all reachable. Two of them are actually in Tokyo, and the other one in Kawasaki is very near Tokyo. Yeah. Kind so of a that's suburb. three places you can go see like a really cool parade during the day. And then if you're in Tokyo for Halloween, you gotta go to Shibuya. You gotta. It's a requirement because it is awesome. Now, you were there in 2015, Jason, mm -hmm. and I saw that they estimated 70,000 people went to Shibuya to celebrate Halloween in 2015. That sounds about right, because it was packed. And as I recall, in recent years, they've opened up that whole area. They block off the streets and people can mill about. But I'm pretty sure in 2015, they didn't block off the area, so everyone was confined to the sidewalks. And there's a lot of open, you know, concrete places to stand around, but it was, I mean, it was like a mosh pit. It took a really <laughs> long time to get anywhere. But it was fun because everybody's dressed up, everybody's really excited to, like, get pictures with all the other cool costume people. Fun yeah, time. that must have been crazy. Mm -hmm. Now, we went together in 2016, mm -hmm. and it was a great time, but they had all the streets closed down, yeah. So it was crowded, but you could like move around. Yeah. Like two streets were closed. So you could go up and down both ways. There were just tens of thousands of people. You'd be shot into a bar and grabbed a couple beers and like came back out. Yeah. It was a really good time. We took pictures with so many people. Yeah. There were so many great costumes. Yeah. We actually went back two nights too, because there was the Saturday before Halloween. 
And it was already, the place was still blocked off and there were tons of people. And then we went on Halloween night, which was a Monday that year. Yeah. And it was just as packed, if not more. I mean, the whole, the whole weekend is just crazy. One of the great things about Halloween is you always get it to celebrate on the weekend nearest to it. And then you get to celebrate Halloween again on Halloween itself. Yeah. I don't know which night was more busy. Both nights were packed. Yeah, totally. It was crazy both nights. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of cool costumes. And just everybody's there to have a good time. It's always fun to just be in a huge crowd of people all like having a really good time. Yeah, so highly recommend it. And just as a note, the year after we were there in 2017, a few people got a little rowdy, a car or two might've got tipped. So they kind of cracked down on it. And in 2018, public drinking was banned in Shibuya between like October 25th and November 1st or something like that. Mm. Um, and usually you can drink in public in Japan. Yeah. So it's not that big of a deal. You can still hop into a bar and drink. But if you come out and you're drinking in public or you're climbing on anything, you're going to get arrested because they're trying to keep it a peaceful, fun thing for everybody. Yeah. And I'm glad they didn't just shut it down entirely, you know? That's yeah, cool that I was actually, afraid they would. Yeah. Seems like they handled it well, and it's still something that can be a fun time for everybody. Totally. Well, that's about all I got for our Halloween special this year. <sighs> well, I'm already looking forward to next Halloween. I know, we there's have, so many spooky things we could talk about. Yeah, we'll have to do one in between now and then. Yeah, we will. We, we need will. to get my spooky fix. <laughs> yeah, if you want to find more fun stuff, maybe I'll put up some pictures of our time in Halloween on the website. Check yeah. that out at sightseeingjapanpodcast.com. And you know, if you're liking the podcast, it would be a huge help to us if you could go on iTunes or wherever it was that you found the podcast. Give us a review and or a rating. Tell people you're enjoying it. Still a pretty new podcast, just trying to get the word out there. So that would be awesome. Uh, and Paul, what are we talking about next time? Next time, we are talking about alcohol in Japan. What to drink, where to drink it, how to drink it. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it will be fun. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.